you want to raise money in six months, you need to start right now talking to people. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I got uh, Kent Ritter. Kent, how are you doing today? Doing great, Todd. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you joining us. And uh, why don't you give us a quick little bio, who you are and what you got going on today? Yeah, no, I'm happy to do that. So I'm, uh, like you said, Kent Ritter. I'm the CEO of Hudson Investing. And we're a syndication firm who focuses on, on finding mismanaged and undervalued properties throughout the Midwest. And uh, we currently have properties in Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. And um, outside of that, I, I have a podcast of my own. It's called Ritter on Real Estate, and it's really focused on helping passive investors make better investing decisions. I host uh, a monthly networking event in Indianapolis uh, that's on Meetup, and um, and I've got a website, KentRitter.com, that's uh, really meant to be a resource for again passive investors. So. Just uh, out here doing deals and uh, trying to to add value and educate folks as best I can. When did you get started in the business, uh, Kent? So I, I made my first real estate investment about six years ago, okay. and it was a uh, you know I really started as a passive investor. I I, I left so from 2010 to 2015, I um, I had a business in in Chicago as a uh, management consulting business and had it with a few partners in 2015 we decided to sell and so coming out of 15 into 16 really i um i had this cash and was was just needed to figure out what what to do with it and i knew i didn't want all my eggs in one basket in the stock market and so that that led me to alternative investments i you know i did some research talked to people really found out real estate checked all the boxes for what i was looking for and so really poured myself in, into real estate investing and, and like what does that mean and uh, I started out with um, really making my first investments uh, through crowdfunding, through mm. through a couple of crowdfunding sites, and then kind of graduated from there. Had, had mi mixed experience, honestly. Had, had a bad experience where one of the sponsors committed fraud, and and, and everybody in the deal lost their money. Uh, and you know, graduated from there as I continued to educate myself uh, to. You know, passively investing with sponsors that I actually knew and, and were talking to and, and found that that was a much better process. And so in 2016, I went out and, and invested passively in 10 deals. And that was really um, a launching point, kind of next step in my education to learn, you know, learn the business. And from 16 to 19, that was really what I did. I continued to passively invest, continued to educate myself, went through a couple mentorship programs. And then 2019, I, um, I led my own, my first active syndication, um, and that deal is actually just about to come full circle. Uh, really, this week uh, we're selling that property, and so it's excited to have that first deal come all the way through. And then I've uh, I've acquired uh, three more properties through syndication after that, and then a handful of other properties uh, in in different uh, arrangements. But uh, yeah, it's been just 
kind of kind of I skipped a lot of those steps that, that folks do, you know, went skip single family yeah. because I got, because I got some great advice, went straight to multi, <laughs> skipped buying uh, my own multi and again, having all my eggs in one basket because I got some mm-hmm. great advice. I've had some some great advice at some critical times. And, uh, and and that introduced me to syndication. And then like once I heard about syndication, I was like, wow, okay, so we can actually pool all of our money together and go buy something bigger and better. Like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense, right? And so yeah. from there, it, it was really just just off to the races. It was really just a matter of feeling like, like I knew enough, um, I knew enough and I understood the business well enough to, to feel comfortable taking on other people's money. And that was really that growth from 16 to 19 and that just kind of constant education, constant personal growth. You feel like by passively investing, you got an education? 100%. I mean, I asked a lot of questions. So, you know, I, I think that several of the sponsors that I invested with were were really, really fantastic from an education standpoint, really opened up the curtains and allowed me to kind of get behind the scenes to the point of even coming in, into the offices with some of the bigger firms, coming into the offices, meeting the team, mm-hmm. meeting their vice presidents, understanding what's going on, asking those questions. And and I was just really active on on investor calls and things and just just I was up front at the beginning saying, you know, this for me is also a learning process. And yeah. that worked for some sponsors. It didn't work for other sponsors. Um, but yeah, I think it, it really, you know, you can only go so far through podcasts and books and, and even like yeah. mentorship programs are great, but it's still all just, um, it's just kind of, uh, you know, educational, right? It's that you're not actually applying yeah. the skills. Once you get into you a passive investment, it. yeah, you're, you're, you're not actively making decisions, but at least you can understand why the decisions are being made. And that was really a lot. The questions I I was asking was why, you know, why did you choose this type of debt over that? You know, why did you choose to do floors and not countertops? Why, why, why? Right. And so through that, absolutely, that was kind of next level education for me. And that gave me the confidence to then once I understood the the cycle and the process and how a syndication works to actually, you know, feel comfortable going out and finding my own deals and, and, and bring other people's money into it. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool, and it's a lot easier to tell a passive investor somebody that you're bringing in your own deal. I suppose that you've invested in these types of deals, and this is like what you've yeah from this. This is the returns you've made from this. Yeah, has, has it, that helped a lot. It, it definitely has. So it it's helped in a couple of ways. One is just just from setting up my business at the beginning. You know, I, I learned there was a lot of things I liked from different sponsors and a lot of things I didn't like. And so I was able to, to kind of look at it from an investor perspective and say, you know what, I didn't like when I didn't hear from these guys for like four months, oh, right? Yeah. I didn't like when, when this happened and that happened. And so I, I was able to model my business really from an investor perspective. And, and the biggest thing that came through was like focus on communication. I think everything in life goes back to communication. I mean, all fights involve bad communication, right? And all these things. So what I've learned is through really proactive communication and just being open and, and delivering news, whether it's good or bad, you know, not hiding from it, that uh, people really appreciate that. And I think pre- people really appreciate that style. And and I don't I don't know if I would have realized that as soon had I not been on the other side of it, right? And yeah. and been able to implement that in, in my business. So yeah, I think absolutely it's been helpful. And then, you know, and then it, it helps to a certain extent to be able to, I think, 
let people know that I've been in their shoes. I, I understand, you know, I've been on their side. I've been, I've been making these investments. I know it's a leap of faith, right? To, especially yeah. in that first deal to trust that sponsor and just understanding how seriously I take that. So I think that comes through as I talk with folks. Yeah. So, so focus on communication, any other like kind of big lessons you took from passively investing in other people's deals? That you, yeah, you I, I, or, or maybe even a hundred percent other investors should be looking for. Yeah, no, I, I think that, well, the big lesson learned, and this was really coming out of my, it was actually my, my second investment, but it was in that crowdfunding site where I lost my money, right? Like yeah. that was, that was a punch in the gut, but you learn the most from your mistakes, right? So that was where, I mean, the reason that happened is because I didn't do due diligence on the sponsor. I was scrolling through a site and I said, oh, there's a multifamily in Houston. That looks great. Houston's a growing market. Let, let's do that. Returns look good. Returns yeah. look good, right? Yeah. I didn't know enough at that point to really understand that. I mean, it is 100% true. It really starts and ends with, with the sponsor. A good sponsor will, will can save a bad deal and a bad sponsor can kill a good deal. You know, and... And in that way, I, I started to spend a lot of time vetting the sponsor on the front end, talking with them. Who are they? What, you know, do they have a family? What, what do they do outside of that? Like just understanding who that person is, you're trying to gauge integrity. And there's, there's kind of four things that, that I defined, like were really important to me in a sponsor. And, um, the, the quick plug is if you go to kentritter.com, you can sign up and there's actually a one pager where, where I've outlined all these things, but it's. Yep. Um, the first one is integrity. I mean, I mean, it starts and ends with integrity. You need somebody that's going to do the right thing when it's hard to do the right thing. Right. right, right. Second is I, I think a syndicator, a sponsor has to have a decent amount of financial means. You've got to have enough financial means so that you're not so hungry for the next deal that you're just mm -hmm. doing a deal to get the fees because that's a conflict of interest. That's if you just huge. need to do a deal to get fees, yeah you're not incentivized to put your investors in the best deal. You're just incentivized to put your investors in the next deal. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so you've got to have, I think a sponsor has to have a certain amount of means when they start. I think coupled with that, they've got to have skin in the game. Like I, I just think about it this way. Like if somebody came up to me and was like, Hey, you should really invest in this thing. Um, they're like, I'm not going to invest in it, but like you really should right, right. like, that's not something that I would invest in. Right. So I think it's important to to align incentives and, and you align incentives by having cash in the deal alongside the, the limited partners. And then the last thing is there a is, certain amount uh, before you go on. Is there a certain yeah. amount that you want to see in the skin in the game, like certain percentage? <clears throat> well, you know, I like to see I like to see 10 percent. Yep. But that's not feasible for, for everyone and, and all not deal sizes, deals. right? And so really, to me, it's about what is that amount in relation to how it's going to impact them if they lose it, right? Sure. If, they're, if, they're, if they're ultra rich and, and they've done tons of deals and they have 10,000 units and all this and they're putting 25K in, I'm like, well, they could lose 25k that's probably like me, me that's like me losing 20 bucks right you, you don't really care so but if it's somebody who's who's starting out and that and that's meaningful right and i believe in them because i think they've got kind of the drive and they're hungry then then that 25k is very different to yeah. them right so yeah. so i think i think context matters right when, when you're looking at these things great point um but yeah so then the last thing would be track record and 
you know, track record's obviously critical, right? You want to see success. And, and I think that, you know, for me, you know, not always having a real estate track record, right? Really, real estate's my second career, but where I was able to show track record and where I think I communicated it well was in my experience as a startup owner and growing a business to 30 million in revenue, right? And and then successfully selling that business. So like there's track record in business, right? My track record as a management consultant spending 12 years helping companies solve big problems and running multi-million dollar projects, right? Which is similar to a syndication. And then track record, like on, an, on another side, like as a corporate executive. So being in that corporate world and being successful as an executive at a, at a pretty young age, at like 27. So I think in several ways, I was able to show track record before I really had a real estate track record, right? Yep. Yep. And that's a really important point to make is that you don't have to necessarily have done thousands of deals that, you know, own thousand units just to get your first investor in your deal. Yeah. You, yeah. The track record doesn't have to be real estate necessarily. Yeah. It just has no. to be something that people can go like this person. I can see their drive. I can see what they can do. Like exactly. Now exactly. I feel they can do the same thing that they've been doing throughout their you know entire life in real estate with my money, with my investment. That's, yeah. that's what people are looking for. Yeah, that I mean, that's exactly right. Because everybody has to get started, right? Yeah. Like everybody started somewhere. And so I think that's so critical. I think it's all about how you communicate it. I think tying it to they've been successful here, so they can be successful here, right? I think is, is really important. And then I think just professionalism is extremely mm -hmm. important. And yeah. I don't I don't know that enough people take that seriously. I think just showing up the right way you know, if you're talking with an investor, like take it seriously, be yeah. prepared, show up, sure. don't look like a slob, right? Be present. I think those things are, are just simple things that can be undervalued. Yep. Yep. And, and that, it's that communication too. you know, make sure you're on point with your communication with them. Make sure you're responding in a timely manner. Make sure mm -hmm. that you're making your meetings, uh, <laughs> that type of stuff. Yeah, definitely. All, all great stuff. Um, and I think a lot of people miss a couple of those points and those are big. Um, you know, the financial means too. I see, I see a lot of people who are taking these big sponsor fees and that's the reason I feel the reason they're doing deals. It makes you really nervous about, yeah. Oh, I, like, I don't know that I would trust my money with, with some of the sponsors that are taking these big deals, these big sponsor fees, uh, or flying around in their, their jet and you, and you see like, you know, some of the stuff it's like, okay. Um, so that's, yeah, good point. Well, like the thing that I think about now, um, cause I still do passively invest with, with yeah. others. I, I passively invest for geographic diversity because mm. I, I focus really on the Midwest yeah. primarily. And so I will invest with others in other parts of the country to have, have that diversification. Right. Yep. And the thing that, that now being on the active side and now looking back at what I, what I evaluate on the passive deals is like, okay, if, if this person, like looking at the fee structure and how the deal is set up, okay, if, you know, this, the deal is promising a 17% IRR, let's say, and like, and like that, that feels high, right? To, to me, from my, from my perspective, where the, where the market is kind of no matter where you are, but, but other, other people may not have that perspective, but I, what I started to realize is like, okay, they're promising 17, but like, 
Like, is that really what they expect? Or is that, is that just the kind of advertisement to get sales to price. entice people to get into the deal? Yeah. Sales yeah. price. Right. And, and at the end of the day, if they return a 13 or 14 to investors, which is probably what it really pencils out to, like, is any investor really going to be that mad? And also that's going to be five years down the road from when they got the big fees and did all that. Right. So like, we'll worry about that in five years type of thing. So like, I, I see that going on on i feel like in deals that i look at at times yeah. and it's something that i really didn't consider the kind of marketing aspect of the the, the returns right because some people are just going to blanket say oh that that one's showing a 14 irr this one's showing a 17 i'm going to go with the 17 right and so it, it's that there there is kind of a there can be a kind of a conflict of interest there, right? Of like, do you show the, these high number to entice people? And I just, I feel like I, like I see that and I kind of wonder if it comes through, if, if like they really care at the end of the day, if they hit that, or it's just get the fee up front and then, you know, we'll worry about the rest five years later. And, so and I don't I'm know, always, but it, I've always been the sponsor who, if I think I'm going to hit a 17, I'm projecting a, you know, 14 or 15. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's your thought on that versus, you know, cause, cause I, I understand what you're saying. I'm actually quite frankly, I've had some, I've had some investors that are like, well, I looked, I, I got a, your deal and I got another deal and I decided to go with the other deal. Cause it, it was, they're projecting a 19 IRR. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds great. You know, I think we're yeah. probably going to hit a 22, but you know, yeah. I'm not going to tell you that because I, you know, right. I, don't, I don't want you to expect it. Well, um, I, I, I think that, that? Yeah. So I think that, um, so one, uh, you, you gotta under promise and, and over deliver just in yeah. life, right? You never, you never want to be on, it's all like, I learned this as a consultant because as a consultant, we were paid on contingency and it's all about, if you don't deliver, you don't get paid. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, it, but, but like if you, so it's all about perspective. So let's say you get a 14 IRR, right? Is the investor going to perceive that 14 IRR as good or bad? Well, depends on what you promised them. Right. If you promised them a 17 and got them a 14, they might not be happy. If you promised them a 12 and got them a 14, they're going to be ecstatic, right? And make, oh, you, so it's all about perspective and it's all about the expectations that you set. And I think to your point, I think you have to have two proformas, two, two underwriting models. I have a investor version underwriting model that is, yep really my, it's my baseline. Like yeah. it's, it's where I am. I am like, I can't say hundred percent, but I'm super confident that we are going to achieve this number. Yeah. And, and I, and I typically sand if deal returns are coming in too high, I sandbag them. I put extra cash into the deal, extra reserves because uh, it just adds cushion and adds safety, right? It, it reduces risk. It, like the thing that, that investors that aren't as savvy lose sight of is risk adjusted return. Yeah. Right. Return right. in and of itself. So like if I just cared about return, I could go invest in a bunch of startups and I might hit some of those 10 X, 20 X, hundred X. Right. But I'm going to lose my money on nine out of 10 of them. Right. Right. Versus a, an apartment syndication where like we're buying largely businesses that have existed for 30 or 40 years making money. And we're just going to help make a little bit more money in a value add strategy. Right. Like it's yep. already cash flow and we're yep. going to help it make a little more. So the, the risk adjusted return is actually much better because the probability you receive what's on paper that whether it's a 14 IRR or a 17 IRR is much higher. Right. Yeah. And so I, th I think yeah, that yeah. the risk adjusted portion uh, can get 
can get kind of lost in the shuffle, right? Or maybe just not under, people aren't considering the risk factor, right, of, of, of the investment. Um, and man, I was going on a whole thing and I, I, I kind of went off and now I'm uh, trying That's to remember right. no, back, to, back to where we were. But I mean, the whole, I think the point I was making around just, oh, the two underwriting models. So you got to have the baseline. Right. And so here's something I learned was, well, I just had un one underwriting model. I had really sandbagged it. Right. I, it was half of what I think rent growth is going to be. Well, you buy a deal, you turn that over to the property management company. Well, that becomes the property management company's goal. Yep. So now my base performance has become their like aspirational goal. Yep. Well, that's that's misaligned. And, and I was banging my head against the wall as an asset manager going, guys, like, why would we only do a 1% rent increase when we could clearly do a 5% rent increase? You know, they're like, well, that's what the pro forma, that's all we had to hit to hit pro forma. Like, so that means we're yeah, doing what, what we're supposed to, said. right? So that's why you got to have two. You got to have the aspirational one, you show property management to yep. keep them driving, driving, driving. And you got to have the baseline one that you share with investors so that you can, you can under promise and, and over deliver. Yeah, I do the same thing. And I share the 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 one with the property management company and with my lender because I don't want my yeah lenders, the lenders are good my conservative too. numbers I I want yeah. them to I will I would rather have them come to me and say hey we think you're too aggressive than, that's right because they'll never go hey you're you're just too conservative we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> right. bump your rents up a little higher we're gonna do right this. right no that that's a great cool. point about yeah. the lender too yeah yeah no and and good I mean. I like that you're dialing it down for the investors. I that's my strategy and approach. I like it. Um, right or wrong, I'm not, I guess, as much of a sales rep when I do that. And yeah. so maybe maybe I should be uh, puffing the numbers, but that's not just not how I work. Well, I look at it like this: in uh, like nobody wants to be sold to, right? Yeah. Like we all we all know when we're being sold to. Right. You get that like gross feeling. You you speak into a used car salesman, right? <laughs> you, you need a shower afterwards, yeah. and so and I came I came from sales. I mean, I ended my consulting career selling those services, and so you know I I always just try to approach it. I, like I never wanted to be that. I always try to approach it just as education first, and mm -hmm. I look at it as like look. Um if I educate someone in the right way, they're going to have that light bulb moment, just like I did when I learned about syndications six years ago, when I was thinking about passively investing, they're going to have that same light bulb moment and say, wow, this is a no brainer. Of course I want to do this. Right. And then, yep. then you don't have to sell. You're just, you're just educating. You're just giving them the context and an understanding of how it works. Um, and I think, I think if you can do that, I think that's where, I think when people do that, that's when they're successful raising money and, um, you know, getting getting investors in their deal that they're aligned with. Because I think that like I think that's important, too, is like you may not want certain investors to invest with you because their goals are not aligned with your goals. Their personalities don't align with yeah, you. You guys on. don't resonate. Right. And at the beginning, it's really hard because you're like, well, I don't want to turn down any money. But um, but in reality, like like if like that's how I look at it, if. I want people that get it when I educate them about the process and, and understand that there's a risk adjusted return and, and, a, and a reasonable number, you know, to be achieved. Um, I want people that are comfortable hitting singles and doubles and going around the bases and knowing that every once in a while we're going to hit a home run Yeah. versus people that just, you got to hit a home run. Otherwise they're all over you. Cause if you, if you're, if you're swinging for the fences every time, like you, you strike out, more than not. Right. So yep. 
it's, 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 I think you, you've, you got to find that right investor that, that jives with your, your model and your perspective. Yeah. I, I, I like that a lot. I mean, that, that yeah, you, you don't want the right, the wrong investors. I'd rather, and it's hard, like you said, it's hard, especially when you're first starting out, like you gotta, you got a guy or a gal that's willing to invest a hundred thousand dollars in your deal. Yeah. It's hard to turn them down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, you're going to be thanking yourself that you turned them down. <laughs> uh, in yeah. that. So where do you find, where are you finding the majority of your investors right now? A uh, majority of my investors right now are coming through, through, through the different thought leadership platforms. I mean, through I've been on, so I had a goal this year to do, do a hundred appearance podcast appearances. I'm, I'm oh, at wow. like 65 or, or something. Wow. Um, and so I've just been getting out there. Right. And, and people are hearing that and, and they're coming to my website and they're signing up for the investor application and they're scheduling calls. Yeah. Um, the, the other one is just through, through my own podcast, right. In the same way, just getting out there in front of people. And the other, the other large one is just through my, my monthly networking event that I hold the, the, the Indianapolis multifamily investing meetup. And, yeah. you know, I have people there that, that come and that they, they're either like a lot of people that come there, like want they want to be active at some point. That's why they're taking their time on a Wednesday night at 6 PM to right. be somewhere. Right. But, but a lot of them understand that that path of passive to active. And I, and I think that like when I tell them about my own path, I think it resonates with them. And so, so several investors come from, kind of that avenue of, of yeah. wanting to be educated and wanting to learn in the process. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's really good. 65 podcasts. That's, that's a lot, man. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's fun. Honestly, it I fun. like, I like being on other people's podcasts more than I like hosting my own. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I should say that, but it's uh <laughs> It's fun to come on and, and not be in the driver's seat, yeah. you know, like I'm a very open person. I don't have anything to hide. So like, you can ask me anything you want, you know? I, and so I get on here and I'm just like, well, wherever you want to go. I love it. I love it. What's a mistake that you've made along this journey and, and how have you learned from it? How can you teach our listeners? Well, I, so losing money in that first deal is definitely the biggest one. I know we already talked about it, but like, that's um, just not doing the right diligence on the sponsor. And because of that, I lost feel like you could money. have done. What do you feel like you could have done on as far as diligence that maybe would have been able to open your eyes a bit or made you kind of like, eh, I'm not sure about this. Well, basic step, at least speak with the sponsor before investing with them. Right. Okay. Like, and it's, um, it's hard in a crowdfunding environment, right? There's, there's that separation. It's like, how do you really vet a sponsor accurately in that? Like I was trusting the site had done the vetting, right? That was, that was part of it. Like part of the sell was, yeah. oh, we do yeah. due diligence already. Um, and that just didn't, didn't work out for me. So it's like, do your own due diligence on the sponsor, at least talk to them, make sure that in your gut, you feel like that's somebody that you resonate with and that has integrity. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's a big thing. And then, I mean, you could go steps beyond that, but, um, I think that's, that's a big one. Um, other mistakes I've made would just be un underestimating. So in my first raise that I, I went out to raise in, in that, um, actually in the, the deal that I was talking about, that's closing this week, I didn't meet my goal of how much I wanted to raise. 
Uh, it was the first time I'd ever gone out to raise money. And the reason I didn't meet my goal was because I underestimated the, the prep, like to warm people up in my network yes. to actually want to invest money with me, right? Yes. I underestimated the fact that I, I really had to change their perception of me, right? Because they knew me as high school buddy, played football with them or college fraternity brother, or even, even you know, boss or business partner. But, but none of that was real estate expert. None of that was someone who I actually want to trust with my money. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. and it's a, it's a gap, it's a big gap to fill. And, and so I, I, frankly, I should have started six months earlier. I should have started having those conversations with people, warming them up, getting them into the idea, showing my expertise. And I think if I would have done that, I would have, I would have met my goal, but, but that was really like, I was like, oh man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Right. And that made me double down and, and it yep. made me start the thought leadership, right. The podcast and all that. So it's all good, but, but just coming out, don't underestimate the work. Like, like you really have to change people's perception of you and, and like real estate has to become like part of your DNA. If you really want to be good at this, you got to be talking about it. You got to understand it backward and forward yeah. and you got to understand it well enough to break it down simply for people, because, you know, there's a quote, like the confused mind does it, like makes no decisions or something along those lines. And yeah. like, what I found was like, this is a fairly complicated process, what we go through, especially when you add syndication on top of it. And so if you can't understand it, like, like mastery is really the ability to break down something in a very simple way, right? If, if you have to rely on jargon and other things, it's probably because you don't really have a solid understanding of it. Yeah. So that ability to break it down simply, um, is critical to, to make people feel comfortable in, in coming into your deal. Yeah. And you might think, you might even think like, it's not that difficult, but other people do like yeah, it, a lot. It, there's a lot of passive investors that have no clue. They've never heard of it. There's, there's people that have a lot of money that have never heard of real estate syndication. They don't know what it is. They didn't yeah. know they could passively invest in your deals. They know they can get into a REIT. Right. But all they know about real estate, they don't, they think they can get into a REIT or buy it, buy it themselves. Right. And there's, and like what we have to remember, like with you and I just being in this every day and inundated is like, it's very familiar to us. Right. Yeah. But, but to someone that's hearing this for the first time, I mean, it sounds like we're speaking Chinese totally or Greek or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, so you've got to be able to kind of meet, you got to be able to meet the person where they are on their yeah. journey. So it's like, I think where a lot of people make mistakes when they, when they're, when they're trying to raise money is like, you've got this great deal and you put this deck together and like, you want to get out there and you want to tell everybody everything you know about this deal, right? This deal is going to be blah, blah, blah. Well, that person may not even want to know that they want to invest in real estate, let alone in multifamily with you in that deal. Right. So yep. you gotta, you've got to meet the people where they're at. And, and that, that was also what I learned. And that's why it takes time, especially for folks that are unfamiliar because like the first conversation is this is why you should invest in real estate. Right. And then maybe it's this is why you should invest in multifamily real estate versus all the other things you can invest in. Right. And then this is why you should invest in multifamily with Kent. Right. And then and then this is why you should invest in this specific deal with me. Right. So there, there's really like a how I view it, like a four step process. Yeah. I like if that. you're meeting someone that's cold who has never invested in real estate before to to help. I mean, you're really helping, helping them overcome their limiting beliefs 
and and become open to to this idea that is alternative to what we're fed in the media every day, which is stock market 401k, yep. blah, 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 right? Yep. Which, which we all know, like really, it just doesn't work, yep. um, but it's it's marketing. And so you've got well, to just- publicly traded. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah. you know, you got a whole industry and they're making a yeah. lot of money in that industry. And of course, so yeah, they're going to sell what they sell. I mean, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, like that's what they're going to sell. Yeah, exactly right. And so, and so, yeah, to the point of, of you've got to start where, where they are and, and, and just keep the conversation simple and like be patient to, to move people along that continuum to get comfortable. And so my advice is if you're going to if you're going to raise money, if you want to raise money in six months, you need to start right now talking to people. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, like you said, they identify you as certain things. And if they're not identifying you as a successful real estate investor, they're going to have a hard time when you ask them for 50,000 or $100,000. Yeah, that's right. What do you, you mean? You, what do you, for what? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just wake up yesterday? And like, what do you yep. mean? Yep, exactly. Cool. Uh, I, I get, we're going to wrap up here. I just got a couple questions I want to ask you uh, real quick before we do that. How do you like to give back? Well, I, I like to give back in the same way that, that I have gotten so, so much in the last five years. I mean, the reason that I've made it so far in really five, five, six years is because people have given a lot of time and advice. And so that, that's what I try to do now. I, I'm, you know, whether it's through my meetup or whatever, just meeting with folks, trying to keep slots on my calendar open to meet with folks and just help along the path. Like in, in my meetup, Last week, I had a guy come to me and he said, hey, you know, I was doing I was doing this cold calling strategy and actually I landed one. This guy wants to sell his, his apartment and he's basically like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> right. And so so I, I, I've helped him. You know, I yeah. spent three, four hours with him over a couple of days helping him through that process, helping him refine his underwriting, you know, showing him where where it was wrong, where it was, you know, too conservative or too aggressive. Right. Dial that yep. in, yep. get it, get it to a point where you can get in front of a lender, like just trying to help help get that first deal done. And so that's, that's how I'm giving back now. As my business grows, I, I'd like to be able to give back in, in monetary ways as well and, and tie some charitable things to, to our success. And so as, as we kind of grow things from the ground up, I, I'm growing that in, into the business, kind of into the DNA of the business. But right now it's a lot of time. Cool, love it. Um, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? three pillars of wealth creation. So and, three pillars um, of wealth creation. It can be, uh, it can be, you know, more of on the, I guess on the, uh, spiritual or thought yeah. kind of, or, or it can be, yeah. you know, how do we actually make the wealth? So whatever comes to your mind, what are mm. your three pillars? Yeah, that's good. So, so probably a little bit of both. So, so one, um, I, th I thoroughly believe that like, like thought, the idea that thoughts are things and, and it all starts in your mind and, and whatever you're thinking is, is the direction that you're going to go. So, you know, if you want to just create wealth or just be successful, you got to believe that you are, and you got to, you got to think like you are, and you got to be in the right, right headspace. Yeah. I think the second is you have to invest in yourself and in your education. You, you have, like, I've spent, I've spent thousands, probably tens of thousands of dollars on, 
more than tens of thousands, actually, if you include conferences on conferences, on, you know, books, on mentorship programs, right? And then, so there's investment of money, but also investment of time. I mean, you heard my story. It was really like a five-year growth period to, be, to do my first deal that, that I was leading, right? And yeah. it was all education. So you got to invest in yourself. The only way I'm where I'm at is because I was willing to learn an entirely new industry um, that, I, that I just ended up kind of falling in love with. And then the, the third pillar I would say is like, is multiple streams of income. You, you mm. always need a plan B and, and the people that need to hear this the most are the people that feel secure in their W2 jobs, because I've been a corporate executive. I've been in, in conversations in, in the room where they're making those decisions of, well, you know, we had a bad quarter. Okay. What's the easiest way? Well, we, let's, let's, let's lay some people off. Right. I mean, it happens every day to people that are unsuspected. And if you don't have a plan B, that's a bad position to be in, right? But if you have another income stream coming in, then you've got something to fall back onto. And I think that that developing multiple streams of income, like for me, I, I have syndication, which is where I spend 99% of my time, but I also have a, a like a single family and duplex port, portfolio that, that's owned and you know that's bringing in income. And I have other passive investments that I make and whether it's an industrial or whether it's in different geographies, right? Just Just other income streams coming in. Yeah. Um, you got to have a plan B. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, definitely. I, I can agree more. Well, cool. Uh, can't really appreciate you joining us and spending time with us. How can our listeners, how can they get in touch? Where, where do they go to learn more about you and yeah. get your, get your, uh, I think you, you have some, you said maybe blogs or something that investors can look at. Yeah. So the easiest way you go to my website, it's kentritter.com. Um, and you can find, learn more about me. You can access my podcast, my blog, some passive investor resources there, uh, that tip sheet, the four things you need to look for in a syndicator, right? Um, that's kind of home base. The other thing you can do is you can listen to my podcast. It's Ritter on Real Estate. Uh, it comes out weekly and it's anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And, and lastly, I would say you can find me on social media. Um, I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, but Instagram, Facebook, and if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me, you can message me and I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. Cool. Awesome. Well, again, Kent, really appreciate it. Thanks for spending time with us and, uh, learned a ton, man. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate having me on the show. Have a, have a fantastic rest of the day. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. 
and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.